Suarez. Wiltel makes a run ahead of it. Burkamp suddenly changed pace through the centre. It's Burkamp! That's magnificent! The move, and then this, which left Dabby's ass totally stranded. Hello and welcome to Burkett Wonderland. We, unbelievably, are in our 10th year and we are still, well, debatable, an Arsenal podcast. With me this afternoon, tonight, this morning, wherever it happened to be in the universe, is Mr Tom Canton. Look at him, look at that face. That's the face of someone who's slept in a room with Mike Feinberg and, and he still cannot get rid, of, get rid of the stink from his nostrils. I am forever scarred of that evening, yeah. I just had a wonderful thought. See your, your um, arm that you keep your mic on? You need to change mm. the road to Odie, Odie Guard. Well, yeah, people say that, but I feel like it ruins the joke of it being a Roder microphone stand that I've just added the guard to. So, Have you done that? I yeah, I added why. the guard bit. <laughs> I was wondering why it's in a different size. Well, maybe the guard is the is the model. But is, is his guard double A in the middle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scandinavian, isn't it? So it's double. Well, there you go. I've been spelling it wrong for the last three years. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a single A. I think I might have actually put it in the. Uh, I ha- oh, I've spelled it right. I put it in the tweet for this show. I was I say, isn't it on your intro? Like. Thing. It'll be double A on your intro. Who knows? I've got, no, I, I barely know what I'm doing. I'm busy trying to buy a cat tree for Sean because she's coming home tomorrow. Yeah, oh, um, nice. I'm actually yeah. I'm going up to Nottingham on Saturday. So she for, is. Uh, going, she's going. quit her job. She's told uh, uh, Lidl to stick it up their bum, and she is going back to teaching. She is going to be a high level teaching assistant because you do all the teaching, but you don't get the the pain in the arseness, which you know fully well is which which kills it for you. Yeah, yes, it does. Going back in the lab. How are you? Good. Yeah, I'm. I'm very good. Yeah. Um, bit a bit kind of ah, oh, we knew this was going to happen with the with with the Arsenal and what's gone on and and things like that. It was, I mean, like I was listening to the the um the the AC Jimbo pod, the Totally Football Show, and then I think they said on there, how can anybody beat the perfect team? I mean, they've just beaten Real Madrid four 0 in the Champions League semi final. I mean, what are Arsenal going to do? We're only on page one of a ten page dossier of of how to make Arsenal great again, haven't we? So. Never. I mean, it's amazing we even got as far as we did, wasn't it? Yeah, I, you know, I look back, my ultimate reaction and emotion was obviously being gutted. Like, I was absolutely gutted because I, I really thought there was a, a chance that, you know, we might win the league. But when you're going up against this Man City team, it's like you have to be able to get 95 odd points to be able to beat them. And whilst I think we've got a starting 11 that's potentially capable of doing that, we don't have a 95-point squad. Uh, we have a 95-point potentially 11, but we don't have the squad to, to get that many points. And as soon as Saliba went down injured, I was like, oh, I think that might be the you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back, if you like, because uh, it seemed to be significant when we lost him. It is. See, uh, Rio Ferdinand giving it large on, on, in, on Twitter last night, and then someone pointed out the five titles that he won with Man United, that none of them did they get. Was it, they say none of them, or are the five of them, they didn't even get the the, the points that we've got at the moment. Trying yeah, to put probably. In the space like that. That. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's ridiculous. I was just, uh, um, 
was looking at the the points so far. Even with the points we got at the moment, we would have won six out of the last thirty Premier League titles with the points we're on at the moment. And we've scored eighty three goals, I think, and that is our third highest Premier League goal scoring tally ever. I mean, two games still to play as well. And we've got to play North Forest, so we could easily get another ten against Forest and another and another half a dozen against against um, against Wolves. But um, I've wrote down a few things I'd like to talk about. The first thing is this is the one everyone hold on to your socks because this could get emotional. Where did it all go wrong, Tom? <laughs> if, you yeah, could, yeah, if you could summarise that in less than an hour, I'm going to have a coffee. Let me know when you're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, the first thing to say, I think, is obviously our opponents, like, you know, going up against a team that are now on an 11-game winning streak in the league, let alone what they're doing in the Champions League, making Real Madrid look like they're, you know, Bournemouth at this stage. Um, so, with all the respect in the world to Bournemouth, but we made them look pretty dreadful when we went to the Vitality. So, I, I think when it comes down to that Saliba's injury, Tommy Asu's injury at the same time, the lack of of competitive depth in the squad, which you know isn't a mistake. It's just part of where we are as a squad in terms of the building, in terms of the journey that we've gone on in the last three years under Arteta. And I think yeah, Arteta himself has his um, you know, has his own things that he needs to develop and improve. And I think there are mistakes that he's made in some of the games, some of the substitutions, um, some of the selections, some of the decision-making in-game, you know, weren't as good as they could have been. And all of those things combined, I think, has led us to to where we are, which is unfortunately just second, which if you'd have offered me at the start of the season and said, you're going to finish second this year, I would have said, nah, shut up, mate. <laughs> That's just not going to happen, is it? What have you been drinking? Exactly. So, yeah, I'm pretty... In the end... I whilst I was gutted, I think I've kind of turned that that feeling of disappointment into being excited about where this team's going to go. How big a deal do you think it was the fact that Man City smashed Everton before we played? Because people wonder why the last game of the season in I think nearly every country in in Europe they all kick off at the same time on the same day. Um, do you think that made much of a difference? I think it'd be maybe a bit ignorant to say it made no difference. I mean, I certainly felt different going into the sitting in the stadium. I was watching it with uh, some of the other journalists in in the press lounge before, and we'd already said like, "Oh, this is looking all right." You know, it was nil nil. They'd had Everton had a great chance. I think it was Holgate that missed the chance on the right hand side, and we're like, "Yeah, this is looking right at the moment. If we can hold it to nil nil to half time, and then who knows what'll happen?" But then just one nil, two nil, and then game over, three nil, and you're like, "It doesn't. It just doesn't seem to stop." Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, look, at the end of the day, uh, I'm very, very, I was very, very disappointed with that result. And I think it would have maybe been a bit ignorant to say that it didn't have any impact. That said, Brighton were bloody brilliant. You know, they were excellent. Probably the best away performance I've seen at the Emirates, you know, all season. And we've I've been there for most of the games at the Emirates this campaign. And the only other team that, ironically, the game that I wasn't there for was the Man City game at home. And they were probably obviously the other side that put on a very good display. But even then, I think Brighton were probably even better than Man City were when they came to the Emirates. So, yeah, a frustratingly difficult opponent to play and a team that we've got a terrible record against at home as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm working on a tweet of uh, the last 11 seasons against Southampton and how many points we've dropped on them season by season. So I've got that tweet in the process. It's got to tidy it up a little bit and then I should be doing it. Um, you know Josh, everybody here knows Josh. Josh is a Brighton fan. And when Josh started supporting Brighton, it's much like I support my local team, Peterborough United, they were in League One. Now they are a Premier League team and they're a very good Premier League team. Um, so a two-parter, how many 
um, Brighton players? We've got two at the moment. How many Brighton players are we going to nick in the summer? And how many do we have to... In Wolves last season, a couple of seasons ago, they had so many Portuguese players. Their away kit was the Portugal kit, the green and red. So how many Brighton players are we legally allowed to have before we have to change our away kit to blue and white stripes? <laughs> as many as we like, mate. You know, <laughs> I think we should just arguably change it to blue and white just for the banter of it, you know, just just to really rub it in. Brian don't like us. Like, it's very clear no. they're not a bit, you know, they really don't. And their fans don't either. I don't know. All their fans were tweeting at Ramsdale um, because obviously he did a little bit of a smiley jump and a wave when we went to the Amex and beat them 4-2. And, uh, yeah, they tweeted out. So I think their tweet on their account was something like, uh, your view is Ramsdale's, corner of Ramsdale's goal or something. And they played all the highlights of the goals that were going in. Um I'd love to sign Mitama. I'd, I'd love to sign um, Caicedo. You know, I'd, I'd very happily take McAllister. Uh, I think Estupanan's a great left back as well. I think he's done fantastically well. Um, I think it's also the coach. You know, the last two coaches they've had, Potter and Deserbi, have done brilliantly well. They've tied that whole side together. And, you know, when we went and won 4-2 there, they didn't have either of McAllister or Caicedo in that game. Um, Trossard actually, I think, started that game at centre-forward and came off in the second half. And, uh, yeah, they really struggled. So I think that if we can get a hold of a, a player like Caicedo, who obviously I'd love to see come through the doors in the summer, it'd be a massive coup for the club. Um, but, yeah, Meetamer as well. Why? Probably my favourite player outside of the Arsenal team in the league this season. He's uh, electric down. It reminds me of the early days of Kieran Tierney, the way that he plays. And it's it's an absolute delight to watch. I don't think the Brighton fans and the Brighton overall are over the Neil Mope, Gwendouzi thing. I think that's that's stuck at the back of their throat. And no matter yeah. how much they yak, they're never getting that up. And that is going to be... I mean, I can't... <laughs> the, 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 their local rivals are Crystal Palace, aren't they? Brighton. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I've got a Crystal Palace supporting friend who's <laughs> always talks about Brighton. I'm like, why? Like, yeah. Obviously, my local team, Jules, like they shared a stadium with Brighton um, for a number of years whilst Brighton were changing stadiums. And, you know, that didn't create a rivalry or anything. So, mm, True. Let's move on to uh, my next question. How can Mikel, Edu, and Vinay make sure the collapse doesn't happen again? Or is that even possible against the perfect team? Because Man City are going to be stronger next season. Because I'm an Inter Milan fan. I don't know which is your Italian team. They are going to get absolutely smashed. As Jim, I'm going to quote Jimbo again. AC Jimbo said, uh, "And AC Milan, no, uh, Inter Milan and uh, Man City have never played each other in a competitive game, and they still might not after this upcoming game." So. Uh, they Very are going to get stronger. And what can we do next season? Is there anything that Mikel and the boys can do? Uh, well, obviously, yeah, we can strengthen um, and we can improve the team. And you can put players into positions that are going to be greater assets in a rotational sense. I think that that's what's cost us ultimately is we've lost Saliba and we've lost Gabriel Jesus for extended periods. And the players that have come in, whilst they've done an okay-ish job in the case of Inketia and a not very good job, you know, really, uh, in comparison to what was available in the case of Rob Holding, you know, who did exactly what I expected Rob Holding to do uh, and played to the level that I expected of Rob Holding, but he's not William Saliba, you know, nowhere near the level of William Saliba. And Kivior, you know, whilst he looked good for a couple of games, you know, didn't look great against Brighton, um, didn't look great against Sporting and uh, and Liverpool when he came on as well, you know, so... I was never kind of on Arteta's back for not bringing Kivior in sooner because 
he hadn't shown enough to me to say, oh, we absolutely should be bringing him in. So, yeah, in the summer, we need to bring in another defender. We need to bring in a couple of midfielders. We need to bring in a forward player, in my opinion, as well, to to really kind of shore up the the options that Arteta is going to have available to him next season so that not only with Champions League, but again, you'd hope with another title challenge on on the horizon, we've got that strength to rotate and the ability to to kind of maintain form even if we were to lose players. So, yeah, it's it's important that we manage the squad effectively and strengthening it with the right players. Mm, I'm not sure we're going to have in the, the fabled war chest. 300 million, 250? Uh, who knows? <laughs> what I do know is that no one does know. And it's like, yeah. it's a running joke on the channel at the moment that like whenever you see those stories of like, Arsenal expected to have X million war chests. You're like, what on earth would the club tell you like how much they've got? Like, you know what I mean? And I'm coming from the perspective of someone who wants to know what's going on inside the club, inside and out, from a journalist point of view. They're never going to tell us. Why would they tell us how much they've got? Like, it would make no sense from a negotiating standpoint. My expectations, I think, will have a record spending summer, but that's based upon what I know that we have to spend to be able to get the players that we want in comparison to previous summers and the way that the market is now. My cat has decided to come and annoy me. Don't get in the way. Good. She just got the whole block, the whole screen. Nice. <laughs> um, so uh, your number, your, your top three targets for the summer, because uh, um, it's taken that Jacker's going to go, which I'm, I'm, I'm not happy about Jacker going because yeah, I think yeah. he can be the the perfect. Uh, who uh, if if Caicedo is going to come in and Brighton have said yeah. that, have hinted that he's going to go. Caicedo is going to come in and play that position, but Caicedo's had one full Premier League season. He's only 21, and Xhaka would be the perfect person to show him the ropes and share between him and say, Xhaka, we want one more season for you. You'll get Champions League football. Please stay. We don't need 15 million quid. It's not going to make any difference to any of our budgets. So who are the three players that you want to bring in? Because I am oh, i don't want to pay 500 million for, for Rice, but it looks like we might have to. Yeah. Um... Uh, I think Rice Caicedo were the two. I don't, I don't want Xhaka to go either. You know, thirty million pounds is about what I think you get for him. You know, I don't look at that price tag and go, "Oh, Arsenal have got a really bad he's deal financially." Yeah, well, yeah. Well, is he? Thir- I think he's thirty actually. Um, let me do a quick check. I he, thought he yeah, was thirty-one. He, he turns thirty-one in September. September. Um, yeah. So, but he's thirty until he turns thirty-one. Are you um, sure? <laughs> absolutely. Very, that's how it works. Um, we'll have to get a numbers uh, man in where's Mike is he even up yet (laughs) but like I think that it would have been much more beneficial for us to just keep him to the end of his contract bring in two more players but I think this more comes from him if anything I don't think this is a club decision I think this is Xhaka's decision I think Xhaka knows what's going to happen this summer and I think that Xhaka knows that he's going to be without regular minutes next season and he is taking this opportunity to move on and give Arsenal some money in the process and play regularly at Bayer Leverkusen next season. So that's that part. But yeah, Caicedo, Rice are absolutely two midfielders I'd love to see. If we can bring in two midfielders of that calibre in one summer, is an amazing piece of business by Arsenal and I would be over the moon. But I think it's going to cost you like 180-odd million to get both. That's that's the level of money we're talking about. Which it, I think it would be two record-breaking signings. You know, with 72 million was Pepe. I think you have to get pay more than that to get Caicedo. I think you have to pay more than what you're going to have to pay for Caicedo to get Rice. So it's going to be big if we get both. But it seems the club are, are willing 
to put forward huge amounts of money. And then the other position, because we considered 42 goals this season, which you can't do if you want to win a title, ultimately. And so whilst I think, you know, a forward is needed, if if you're asking for three, my three players that I'm looking to sign are more focused on stopping the goals from going in. That's why I think we need to bring in a player that can give you greater competition to William Saliba um, and also offer something in the right-back role. And that's why Mohamed Simakan, the French RB Leipzig uh, defender, is a player that we've been linked with that I would love to see uh, Arsenal go and sign because he can play right centre-back, he can play right-back, he scored three goals and got six assists playing on the right-hand side for Leipzig this season. Yeah, I'd love to see Rice, Caicedo and Simakan come in. Yeah. Um, am I overrating the current Arsenal team this season? You look at the Champions League quarterfinals. Real Madrid, we wouldn't beat them. We'd beat Chelsea, mm. as we did, home and away. Yeah. Man City, we wouldn't beat. Bayern Munich, I think we'd give them a good game. I mean, if they're not busy, busy changing managers, we'd beat AC Milan, we'd beat yep. Benfica, we'd beat Inter Milan and Napoli. Yep. Well, we've seen Napoli towards the end of the season because I'm a, I'm a, a Serie A fan, have fallen mm. apart once they've won the title. So out of the mm. eight Cut this season's eight um, Champions League quarterfinals. I think we'd easily beat four of them with the team we've got this season. So I don't, I don't think it's going to take much. For people are saying, "Oh, Arsenal in the Champions League next season, we're going to fall apart. It's going to be like the, the end of the Wenger days when we were struggling to get out of the group stage and and stuff." But I really think this current team this season, we'd have got to the semi-finals of the Champions League. So how do you think we'd have got on? I mean. We got knocked out of the Europa League by Sporting, so <laughs> we drew both games, though, didn't we? we? We didn't lose. Yeah, we did draw both games. I, I think that that's. I think it's a fair point of view to think that we could beat. You know, I think we could beat Inter. I think we could beat Milan. I think we could beat Napoli. I think we could beat Benfica. I think I agree with you. We did buy in a really good go. Um, it and wouldn't I think be five one good, home and away. You know, yeah, it absolutely wouldn't be that. And the teams are far closer than they were when that was the case, you know. And I think Arsenal go into the Champions League next season, I think in a better standing than they did in probably their last eight to ten attempts at that tournament. You know, obviously when we reached the final in 2006, after that point, we just we, we just could not, you know, obviously other than the Manchester United time that they knocked us out in, in the semis. But when you look at like where we got as far as we did in, in other seasons, we are as good as it could get getting into, you know, those positions this coming season. So add Rice, add Caicedo, and you've suddenly got a squad that can, I think, compete on multiple fronts with other, you know, competitive signings to be made as well. So yeah, I think that you're right in in saying that we can compete in the Champions League next season. It's just going to be about how we manage the rotation with both the league and the Champions League. And a lot of fans want us to go far in those cup competitions as well. So you've got to, you've got to take those into account also. Mm, money, 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 which is what the uh, the entire of the football world. Because I'm old enough to remember when all the best players went to Serie A, and then in the Wenger days, all the best players went to La Liga. And very rarely did any of the best players go really anywhere else other than it, because Germany historically don't pay big money for players. Buy and wait till your contract's up. And then they go and steal all, all of my Dortmund players, which they have done. And then when they finish with them, they chuck them back at us. And then, and then, then we try and, uh, try and have a decent run at the league, which never really happens. But here's a stat for you. Chelsea, Man City have beaten Arsenal 14 times out of the last 15 games. Now that is from this that is from November 2017 to April 2023. So 15 games in 5.5 years, they've won 14 of them. You have to go back over the next 41 years for Man City to beat us 14 times. That's how how much they have changed. So my question is, 
how long can Arsenal compete against Newcastle's money as, as looking at what City have done to us in the last five seasons? How long before Newcastle are that strong or stronger? I, it's a good question. I think that the answer is maybe not as obvious as, as people think to say that, you know, if Arsenal don't start spending what Newcastle are going to start spending, we've got no chance. Because I think that you can compete with Man City. I think the difference with Man City is that they had so much investment, like, you know, 10 years ago, and then continue to invest. They've not actually spent, like, when you look at the the single additions they make in the last few seasons. That's why you're seeing the, the, the City owner come out and saying, you know, we've not spent as much as City Liverpool. It's because they spent the really big, big money back in the day when they built up the foundations of that group. So they're only adding one or two players a summer. And that's what we need to get to the stage to, is where we're not needing five players like we are now. And instead, we're only needing to add one or two each summer. So if you get into that position where you've got a competitive squad of 18 players, you know, and you're only adding, I don't think it matters how rich your owners are, ultimately, because you just need to be smart with the additions that you make. If you look at Chelsea and the amount of money they've spent, it's not guaranteed them success. You know, they can spend as much as they like on Enzo Fernandez, on Mihailo Mudrik, on Noni Madueke, on Badi Ashil, and, you know, Gusto and Nunkunku are coming in in the summer. It doesn't matter if you can't gel it together. If you don't have a focus, if you don't have the mind, the, the strategy with the signage you're making to build a team that is meant to compete, is meant to gel together, is meant to work harmoniously, it doesn't matter what you spend. You know, you've got to make smart decisions in terms of squad building. You've got to have a coach that knows, you know, what principles to instill, what tactics to use, what substitutions to make. And Arteta's not perfect. You know, he still needs to improve in certain areas of his managerial um, kind of expertise. But I'm not, I'm not like I was, you know, 15 odd years ago when Man City were getting taken over, and I was thinking, well, you know, that's it. You know, it's another Chelsea coming up. We got no chance. We got to compete against Chelsea and City now, and United's money and Liverpool are starting to grow as well. I'm not thinking like that with Newcastle anymore because I look at this Arsenal team and go, they've gone to a title challenge. Yes, they've spent money. But they've got that by being smart in the last three years with what they've done. And they've got lucky with some of the, you know, um, the talent that they've had come through, like Saka. You know, people want to say, like, it's it's great development and youth coaching. It is. But you've still got to get really lucky to find a player that good, you know, and have that player come through. You know, if you think about it, when's the last Bakaya Saka that we had, you know, come through the ranks at Arsenal? It's no castle. You know, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking back to Ashley Cole. Um, you know, in terms of a level of player come through, um, nice. hell end. So, like Fabregas maybe, wasn't even come Jack. through, you know, he was signed at 16. Jack, yeah, you could say Jack potentially, but obviously never was able to reach his potential because of all the injuries. So, you have to be lucky as well. And there has to, oh, there's always going to be luck associated in football and squad building. But no, I'm, I don't feel the same about Newcastle as I did feel about City because I feel as though this team and this club. And this ownership, which is something we really moaned about for a long time, are making smart choices. Yeah, I don't. I get the feeling that Newcastle aren't going to go down the route of Man City and, and Chelsea did under um, the manager they got at the moment, whose name I've forgotten, Eddie. Eddie Howe. 
Eddie Howe. Uh, he's not the kind of manager. And I honestly think that Newcastle thought we'll get him, save us for one season, get him out when things start to fall apart, get a big man, get an Ancelotti, get a Mourinho, you know, the usual route for glory. I, I think he's shown that there is ways you can, so is Arteta, there is ways that you can you can do well in the league, not necessarily play great football because Newcastle can't really be accused of playing great football like we do. Um, there is ways you can do it without spending an absolute fortune. But as soon as the wheels come off of the Eddie Howe truck, then man, then Newcastle are going to start chucking money at everything. I mean, did you see? I take it you did see. I, I didn't realise that um, Isaac wore the number fourteen, but that goal, that assist that he did, where he ran down the left. I mean, we thought that Willock's assist for that goal was magnificent, and then Isaac went, "Hold my beer, let watch this." Yeah. I've been watching a few Henri. He's got his VHS recorder out, just whacked in a couple of the best of Henri, and he did that, and he ran down there, and I thought, "Whoa, we were linked to this boy," and he's been injured a little bit, but he was brilliant in Spain. But that's really the only really big purchase they've done, isn't it? I can't really think. I mean, I mean, Bruno Guimaraes cost them about yeah. thirty-five, I yeah. think. Um, but the rest, you know, like Dan Byrne, uh, Sven Bottom cost them about thirty million, I think. Um, but yeah, Willock was twenty-five. Um, who else did they bring in? I mean, they've already already like improved existing players. You think about Longstaff, Fabian Share. I don't think Trippier cost them that much money. Um, Almiron's oh, improved was, a hell of a lot. Player. Yeah, Sam Maxman came in before they had the money there. Um, you know, so that they've already... And Callum Wilson as well, you know, a good bit of business there uh, from Bournemouth and has done really well too. So they'll start adding, you know, the depth. They want Kieran Tierney. You know, I think I think Kieran Tierney's perfect for what they do, you know, for yeah. that position. And they will love him. Hmm. Yeah, he's and he will succeed. I'm sure he will. I won't regret selling him because I don't think he's what Arteta wants in a left back anymore. So mm. it's the right choice if we move him on for a lot of money, and, and we should be looking to get a lot of money because he's worth it. I mean, if we get if we're getting 30 million or less for Tierney, I'm going to be fuming with that. Like we should be getting as close to, if not more than 40 million pounds this summer for Tierney, and. Uh, and use that towards getting in somebody, you know, whether that's a Cancelo that's been linked, I don't know. I've just written a piece that's going out tomorrow about why I think Rafael Guerrero at Bussia Dortmund would be a good decision because he's free. Uh, his contract's up at the end of the season. So um, I think he would be a good pick. But yeah, we need to make sure that we, we bring in a player that can support Zinchenko stylistically better than what Tini has. Yeah, because we've seen uh, Zinchenko, I mean, uh, Tierney has had a couple of chances to go and show what he can do. And, and Arteta's played him in the, the Zinchenko role. It doesn't work. It, that mm. is never going to work. And that makes me sad because uh, Katie's got so much passion. Uh, it's just an absolute pleasure to watch. But it's not going to work. And as much as we want, you can't have a £40 million Scotland international player like that as your backup left back. He, he, he can go and start for probably 17 or 18 Premier League sides and he'd be their number one. You take out probably Arsenal, Man City and Liverpool and then he'd be the, their, their starting left back. And it's too much money to have um, as a backup player. And then like, like Mia Timo, Mia Timo, I'm going to say that 14 different ways. He would be a great one. He might want to come in and, and, and be back up there. Plus he plays in other positions, which is good. Arteta does love a player who can play in different positions, which is why we can't let Tommy Ashu go because he's an, another great player. But how are we going to get Zinchenko to work regularly? It's only his first season. He's, he's playing with a very young side. When it works, it is a thing of beauty. But we have seen towards the end of the season, it has, it has been failing spectacularly at times. Because like Carl said on one of the pods, if I'm playing Arsenal, first thing I'm going to do is 
my right winger, watch Zinchenko. When Zinchenko comes in midfield, off you go. Get Give the ball to him and off you go. And they've seen the massive big holes. How are we going to fix that or are we going to fix that? Every team has its weaknesses, you know. It, like Even Man City have lost games this season because teams have exploited the, the small amount of weaknesses that they've got in their sides. And one of our weaknesses is Zinchenko's defensive side of his game and the holes that are created behind Zinchenko. So I don't think that you can necessarily solve that by, you know, coaching Zinchenko in a certain way because Zinchenko is amazing at what he does when he's on the ball. And I think what he gives you when he's on the ball outweighs what happens when you don't have the ball. And so you ask, how do you solve that problem? Well, you keep the ball. That's how you solve the problem is you don't let the opposition have the ball. And when you do, and when rather they do have the ball, then you've got to be wary of, of what that area is going to do. Now, I think Gabriel has had a fantastic season. And I think part yeah. of that fantastic season has been highlighted because he covers that space behind Zinchenko really well. He's had a couple of times where he's dipped, and I think that's maybe when Zinchenko's been a little bit more exposed. And it's not a surprise to me that that has happened when Saliba's got injured, because what Saliba does is he strengthens that back line. It means that Gabriel's not having to think about just Zinchenko not being there, but also where Kivior and Holding are, who he's got to kind of, you know, sheppy a little bit because they're not as good as Saliba. So he has to make up for that. And I think that, that all of the vulnerabilities in Arsenal's side have stemmed from from that William Saliba injury. Yes, I know Jamie Carragher went like to go on his Sky Sports rant about how Arsenal have conceded goals even with Saliba after the World Cup. But if we're honest, that's because Saliba wasn't that great when he came back from the World Cup. Wasn't as good as the Saliba that we saw before the World Cup. There's so much reliance upon Saliba and that's why we talked about transfers earlier that we need to make sure that we bring in somebody that can compete with him so he doesn't get comfortable. You know, I was always think about Arsenal strikers like... You know, Giroud, for instance, got too comfortable because there was no one ever really challenging him for that position. And we need to make sure that we've got players challenging in every position and and we won't see those types of drop-offs. So, yeah, the weakness of Zinchenko is solved by keeping the ball as much as you can and uh, making sure that Saliba's tip-top form or got someone who can also play as well as him. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to you. You have a, a little triangle at the back, Saliba, Gabriel, Party, And if one of those isn't doing their job or isn't there, then that's when the problems start. I remember when we loaned Saliba back to Saint-Étienne and then his next season he was at Marseille. And I'm looking at the games, his stats, and going, is a centre-back making over 100 passes a game? And that is what we are missing, those wonderful passes. He is, a, I think... Gabriel it might be a little bit dim. He's not the brightest spark, but you look at Saliba and you can see the twinkle in his eye. He is it's almost like he's got a time machine when he's reading the game. He is an absolute gem. There isn't there isn't a centre-back in the world that I know. I mean, not that I know them all, but there's not a centre-back in the world that I think has got as much potential as he has. And he, is, he, needs, he would be the linchpin of this Arsenal side for the next decade, along with Ramsdale and Saka and, and, and Erdegaard and play, people like that. But how worried are you about Saliba going? Because when I close my eyes, I see Saliba in a Real Madrid shirt. Because after last night, Real Madrid are going to go, right, re remortgage that training ground, ground yet again, borrow some money, do this, do that. They are going to have, he's going to be a target for Barcelona, Real Madrid, maybe PSG, but I don't think he'd go back to France. Uh, he's just playing in the Bernabeu. That's white shirt on him. Yeah, look, the me? most important signing we can make this summer is William Saliba's contract. Uh, that's the most important thing that Arsenal can do this summer transfer window. Um, 
I'm always going to have an element of worry about me whilst, you know, he's not renewed. I, I feel okay about it at the moment because I know that, you, you know, we've got a whole season at least of Saliba um, to play. And I thought Balogun was a goner, you know, before he re-signed his contract. And we re-signed that contract, basically when it had expired. So until that point comes and you do, and you hear the words that Saliba will be leaving from whoever's reported, whoever's got information, you know, I'm just going to remain fairly chill about the whole thing um, and enjoy what we have with Saliba while we have him. I'm hopeful that he'll sign a new deal. The club are confident, as far as I'm aware, that, that they'll get him to sign a new deal. But we've heard those words of confidence before and different things have happened. So... Yeah, of course, there's an an area of, of anxiousness uh, and anxiety. Um, but I, I, I'm hopeful that Saliba will re-sign. But if you told me that I can have Caicedo sign this summer or William Saliba renews his contract, I'm renewing Saliba. Saliba's contract yeah. all day long. All yeah. day long. But because he's so intelligent, and he, you agree that he's, he's a very intelligent player, isn't he? You can just tell that by looking at him. He would Arteta would speak to him and go, look, this is the plan. And that plan has got a big star above your head. You are going to be the star boy of our central defence. You're going to run that defence and then you're going to win. You're going to be playing in the Champions League. You're, you're probably going to win a trophy one way or another. We're going to have great runs in the Champions League. It's not about money. I don't think it'd be about money for players like him. He just, he'll just have a look and see what we're building. And he'll look at the likes of uh, we're having Ramsdale there and Saka and Erdegaard and, and Martinelli. And they will look at that and go, I can be a part of this. This can be a decade. This can be Arsenal's greatest ever team with all these young players and, and, and the abilities they've got and the, the, the team cohesion that they've got and, and the belief in Arteta. Because you can see they all believe in him. But how about Party? What's going on there? Is he done? It's interesting, isn't it? Because in the last few games, he's like just not been the same player that he was and I don't blame Arteta for starting Jorginho uh, over him I, I hope he's not I hope that he's um, I hope that he stays because you've then got a player that's there that we know is a world class of world class level then you get Rice coming in potentially another midfielder Arsenal want to and then you've got that ability that you don't have to run Partey into the ground all the time and have it come the end of the season where he's clearly burnt out, you know, and been played too much. And he's not been involved in the last two seasons' run-ins. He's been injured for both of them. And then this season comes around, he's not played this part of the season. So, I, for, for me, you know, he needs a pre-season and he needs to have the opportunity to be able to be rested in games when we can rotate him. And when we've got that rotation, when we need to drop him or when he's out of form, you bring a Rice in or you bring a Caicedo in and, and you have that player. So, no, I... I don't think he's done. Um, I just think that we need to bring in competition to ensure that we can manage him properly. Because you keep him, even with the even with the issues that are going on around him. It's obviously we don't. I it, I I haven't spoken about that stuff. Um, no, no, because legally I can't. Yeah, I, legally I'm not allowed to speak about that stuff. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I can't talk about it. So yeah. But it, it is worrying having these things going on. But um, Femi said that uh, he's not been the same since he went away on international duty and we had to send a physio, in quote marks, to, to mind him, to look after him. And ever since then, he's come back and he just hasn't been the same player because we've waited two and a half seasons for party to be the Atletico Madrid party. That 
that domineering Gilberto esque central defensive midfielder who you ain't you ain't going to get past. He's got, he's got the passing, he's got the tackling, he's got those long legs. He is a Rolls Royce of a player when he wants to, and we've only we, part of the season we've seen that. Maybe half the season we've seen that, and it, when he plays, he is he is unstoppable. But it's trying to winkle that out of him to make him do that every week, which is what we need, which is like you were saying, why he's falling apart towards the end of the season. I wouldn't keep him. I, I'd get rid of him as soon as possible. He's still worth decent money. Um, it, going back to Spain, maybe Atletico might want him back. I doubt we'll get the money that we paid for him because La Liga hasn't got any money. Maybe only get 10, 15 million for him. But I, I do think that we need a refresh in those positions. And one thing I do like about Rice, he's, a, he's loyal. He was at Chelsea from the age of seven to, uh, seven to 14. And he's been uh, at West Ham as a, as a main player for six or seven seasons now. And that's while being uh, a number one England player in, in his position. He is almost undroppable for, for the manager. And that shows loyalty. And that is what Arteta wants from players. He wants you're going to have the same quality games all the time. And he wants loyalty because when you're bringing him in, you're, he's coming in to play a part and to be a part of something that is going to go on for season after season, which is, which is why I do like him. Oh, Carl is there. Hello, Carl. He's a, he's a busy man. Um, yeah, Rudy says, we dropped points when party dropped form. And I think that is a, that is, is a big part of it. Uh, Carl says, feel like this is ABW 2015 scene, Tom. <laughs> oh, it makes you feel old, did it? Eight years ago. I mean, you're still only 19, so I don't know what you were doing in 2015. <laughs> <laughs> I was 19 when I started doing it. It was. Uh, so... Uh, moving on to the, the haters, how do you feel about the Saka Slaters and haters? Are they genuinely clueless or are they just attention seekers? Because they've their ugly little heads have started to rise again, haven't they? Haters. Well, I, I don't know what your audience is, Danny. I don't get any slaps. No, Saka Twitter. Slater. On Who? Twitter. In fact, on Twitter. We actually Twitter. we had one on the last post-game show with me and Deke, and someone said, why are you too scared to talk about how rubbish Saka is now? And I thought, that he's 21 years old, and he's spent the last nine months running around for England and Arsenal. Of course, he's going to be tired. But people on Twitter are just sl- slagging him off. In some of them are saying that he's, he's not going to – he's done. He's done as a player. He can't do it. That's nonsense, isn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely ludicrous, mate. Like people love a moan, love something to moan about. Um, has he been as good as he was in the first bit? They said no, you know, that, and that's fine. You know, doesn't make him a bad player. Doesn't mean we have to move him on or we got to find a replacement. It's mental. Um, but uh, for me, it's it's all to do again. We comes back to Saliba. That progression down the right hand side that was lost with Saliba being out. You know, I think has affected Saka. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that that's a big, big part of things. He still scored goals. He still created goals. He still had chances. He still created chances. Um, I think he just needs, you know, I think the preseason is a great chance for a rest. Yes, I think there's international still, but it'd be great if just you just le- let him, just, just leave him for a summer. Just recover. Just let him not do anything. Go on holiday, come back for a brand new season, fully rested and recovered. And hopefully maybe, who knows, with a, another forward through the door to provide some rotation should we need it but uh but yeah i, I like rudy my i i mine is hate free of the saliva abusers thankfully as well so yeah <laughs> um like carl said on the show last night he said the the Saka has got the the alexi sanchez um effect at the moment situation where he is just playing summer after tournament after game after tournament without a break 
Um, am I off my trolley to say that I would say to, well, Martinelli's out for the season now, but I say Martinelli to, to Ramsdale, to Gabriel, Saka, Erdegaard, go on, start your summer holidays now, off you go, because the season's done for us. We can't finish third, we can't finish first. The two final games we've got, let the, let the other players come in we and play games. <laughs> oh yeah, we were, but we, were, we could beat them by one point if it, if it all works out, couldn't we? Mm. Yeah, that's why I don't think he'll rest too many players on Saturday because I think he'll turn around and say that I can't, I can't leave a message that we've given up when it's mathematically still possible. So he True. will still start Saka and Jesus and Erdogan in the last game of the season, though. You know, I, I, with Martinelli, he's out because he's injured now, and to the end of the campaign, he's been ruled out with his ankle mm. injury. Um, I would start Nelson at Nottingham Forest. I think he deserves it. I think what he's been great coming off the bench. And I also think that with this contract negotiation going on, which the more this season's gone on, the more I've been more keen to keep him. I never, yeah. I, I was kind of indifferent to it. I said, if we kept him, great. If he goes, fine. You know, I'm not fussed really either way. I think he'd be an asset if he stayed still. But I think if I was being, if I took my Arsenal hat off, I think the best decision for him is to leave and move on and get a club where he's going to play all the time. But if he stays, great. You know, it's another asset that we've got in that forward line that can offer you something. But I'd start him against Forrest and I'd start him against Wolves. And I'd say, look, go out there and show Arteta why he's been wrong to not be quicker in renewing your contract. So, um, yeah, I don't think we're going to be on the beach on Saturday, but we may be for the Wolves game, depending on if, you know, I think we'll beat Forest, but I think that City will beat Chelsea, so it won't matter. But yeah, I think the Wolves game is a great chance to to play Nelson, um, play uh, Vieira, you know, some of the players have not, not had too many minutes of late and, uh, and give them a chance. I don't think people realise how what what a, a good player that Reese Nelson is. I mean, he's de- made his debut in seventeen eighteen for us, sixteen games that season. Then he went off mm. to Hoffenheim, and I remember that Hoffenheim season. The first part of the season, it was either, either the first half or the second half. He was really good and scoring all the goals, and then the other half he, d- he didn't really do much. Uh, but they really liked him, and then he had a loan on loan to Feyenoord, and he got to the Europa Conference final. I think he lost in the final, and then. He's had a couple of seasons out injured and, and and various things like that, but he is he is this season what kind of what ESR was last season. He was the man you look to to bring on as a sub and come on and score goals. And he is he's a Halen boy, and he's mates with Saka and ESR and all the rest of them. And it, that would be such a shame to to spend so many years at Arsenal to throw it all away to go and move to another club when Arsenal are, we're, we're ahead of schedule. We're probably the second or third best team in the Premier League. We're playing in the Champions League. The glory days are back again. Please don't leave and go to someone like Crystal Palace or West Ham or, or someone else just, just for the money and first team football. Stay because you're going to get games and it's brilliant. And I, I, I love watching him play. And even though it looks like he's going to leave, he still comes on and gives him gives it everything. He nearly scored against Brighton at um, the weekend's game. And players like that, we need them. His adaptability. And I didn't realise, I'm just looking at his um, his England youth caps. For the under-17s, 11 goals in 11 games. For the under twenty one, six goals in 12 games. That player has got goals in him and he's still only 23. From the Elephant and Castle, lovely area. Uh, I, I really want him to stay. I, I mean, I want I wanted Willock to stay. I want uh, those youth players coming through. Just remind me of the old George Graham days with the with the big Kevin Campbell and the Paul Merson and and the Tony Adams and the Rowe Castle and the Paul Davis. All those players, they all came to um, through the team together and they brought us glory together. And that's that's what I want for my modern day Arsenal. And I really do think he's going to leave. But 
some of these players need you need to look at the two, the other two Willock brothers. I don't know if people know there's three Willocks. You've got the two older ones. One left to go to Benfica. One left to go. I think went to Man United. And now the one's playing for QPR that nearly got relegated, and the other one I think is at Oxford United or, or something like that. You need to look at these young players and go. You know, it may look like you're going for first team football. You may be getting more money, but you need to stay and be a part of this modern Arsenal because it is going to be glorious. And I'm getting myself excited now, Tom. Should he stay? If you, were uh, him, I know you said he, 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 maybe it's best for him to leave, but would you try yeah. to convince him to stay? I mean, as I said, like I think if you do convince him to stay, then maybe you solve a problem for the summer in terms of money needing to buy. Because if he does go, then we do need to bring in a wide player um, because Smith Rowe is a question mark right now. Um, it's really difficult. I, I think that I, I think that I would keep him. But as I said before, if I was him, I'd leave, and that's why I think that he probably will. We've made a third contract offer, James Benz has reported. So it's clear intent that we want him to stay. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with Reese. But I, I predict he probably moves on. But I hope I'm wrong. Um, you mentioned ESR there. Oh, yeah, I get Paul Merson and uh, Jack Wilshere vibes from him. He, he's You cut him open like a stick of rock and he's going to have Arsenal written through in the middle of him. I love him watching him play. Socks down, giving it everything. Has he got a future at the club? <laughs> that face says it all. Tom turned his head for those people walking their dog and having a poo. Turned his head and went. <sighs> <laughs> I I really don't know. Um, which is mad. Like a year ago, I would have said this guy's priceless. Like you know, yeah. they, I, there's not a bid I'd I'd accept um, beyond a hundred million for Smith Rowe a year ago. And like now, you fast forward a year and how things change. It just seems like there's something going on. I don't know. If there is, for the records, I don't know if there's anything going on. Um, it just feels like there's too much, you know, noise without there being noise for there's something not to be going on. Um, and I think that Smith Rowe's future is probably the most, you know, I, I not probably, it is the most likely to being an exit this summer than it ever has been. And I think there'll be interest. I think Aston Villa will probably go... We couldn't get him before. We've got a great chance of getting him now if we come in with a, a respectable fee. Because last time what they offered was uh, was disrespectful to Arsenal. You mm. know, £25 million, pound, £30 million pound was disrespectful in terms of a bid. Um, if they came in with £40 million plus for Smith Rowe this summer, Arsenal, I think, would really think about it. Really think about it. So it all depends upon who comes in and what they're offering. Um I don't want to see him go necessarily. I really want to see the Smith Rowe that we saw explode in 21-22. So um, we'll have to wait and see. But I'm, I'm not hopeful at the moment that he'll that he's definitely going to be here right now next season. Oh, it is worrying. There's so much promise. But when these players came through, it was under Emery and it was playing Europa League football. And Martinelli, Saka, ESR, all of these players came on and they looked wonderful. But we've moved up a level, and it makes me wonder: Are Saka has moved up a level? But is is uh, Nelson and is uh, ESR are they going to be able to move up a level with us? Because partly both of those two have had injuries. But there's just I just love watching them play, and it will make me so sad that if if they go, it's um, yeah we need to. But uh, rancid pumping input is uh, our number ten cursed. I, I had a, a conspiracy theory that we're trying to get rid of ESR so Erdegaard can have the number ten. Um, and I made up that conspiracy theory just now. So I think that that, that might be a thing. But oh, we so much promise for these young players. 
but it is a huge step now for them fighting at the top of the league and Champions League football. It's what they all dream of, and it's down to them to persuade Arteta that, that they want to stay and not jump ship to get first team football, and but, but then maybe get back in the Europa League with whatever team they're at, because we know that um, uh, Emery at Villa been looking at Guendouzi, bringing him into Villa. That he, like you said, he made that that derisory bid for ESR a couple of seasons ago, but that would be a place for them. But I said to her, I was on a Aston Villa podcast a while ago, I said, Arteta, I mean, Emery will save you from relegation, get you to the Europa League, but he'll bore the arse off you while you're doing it. It is terrible, boring football, but that's the expense you play for, for not being in the relegation zone. Um, yeah, the other thing I was going to say is, tactically-wise, you mentioned this a little bit earlier, how do you think Mikel is learning from his, his tactics? Because, I'm bored, and I went back and had a look. He's done this season one sub once, two subs yep. once, eleven, three subs eleven times, four subs nine times, and five subs fourteen times. He has his favourite thirteen or fourteen players. Does that need to change? And his tactics wise to get the most out of our players because you can't you can't leave so many players on bench and not give them time because we've seen that they get rusty. They do I? I I think that Arteta's in-game management is the weakest part of his game. You know, his substitutions need work. However, the reason why I'm not using it as a big stick to beat him with is because I doesn't. I, I have sympathy for the fact that his options on the bench at the moment just aren't there in the same sense as they were, or rather are, for Man City and Pep Guardiola. We need to add before we can start really saying, well, you know, Arteta's subs... They really need work in terms of um, the, the, what we're bringing off and why he's decided to bring this player and why it's not worked. Because if we've got competitive players on the bench, the starting eleven, and he's making four or five changes and nothing's changing, then I can start really going, well, something's got to be wrong with the, the tactics or what we're changing the shape. But my big issue with Arteta subs have always been he's, he's typically very reluctant to change shape unless something drastic is going on with the scoreline like he did against Brighton when we were losing control of the game and he took off Xhaka and Jorginho and brought on Partey and Nelson and then all of a sudden we'd lost the control even more of the game. So it needs it needs improvement. He's not an idiot. Like he's he's taken this team from eleventh to eighth to fifth to second. You know, it's he's showing progression. The squad's showing progression. That's all we've done is move forwards. And the, I'm not surprised the club's motto at the moment is always forwards. Cause that's always, all we seem to be doing is moving forwards as a club. So he's not, he's not a bad coach. He improves players on an individual level really well. He sets up the team in a really good way and he's got a really good style of play and philosophy that he's implementing. But those subs is just the last kind of piece of the Arteta puzzle. I think before we've got, you know, a manager that is excelling in all areas. And I'm hoping that with the, signings that we make this summer then we will get to see that from Arteta and then we'll get to see a manager that's got all of the greatest tools at his disposal and then the ability to make subs that he feels confident will change the game or reinforce what he's already implementing on the pitch so yeah it needs work his subs but there is I think a, a, a a caveat if you like with that drawback for this season yeah, I agree with you there. Let's talk about some of the players on the fringes. Uh, we know that Ashley Maitland-Niles, conservative, is on a free. He's leaving. Um, yep. what, what do we do with Pepe? Because he's had, he's had a half-decent season with Nice, but then got injured. What do we do with mm. him? Because £70 million, Tom. Uh, if you yeah. were here, I, I need you to hug me because I'll have a little cry. £70 million. 
I know. It's mad, isn't it? I mean, I'd probably drive him wherever he wants to go. <laughs> if it saves us a few quid. Um, I, I think he, along with Cedric, will be the last two players that we end up paying out of their contracts. Um, I think that's probably what's going to happen with Pepe. I think we're probably going to have to cancel his contract. I don't know who's going to buy him. Maybe someone will take him on loan and then, you know, just take his wages for the rest of the season and then he leaves on a free, like similar to Genduzi in a way. Then we obviously got a little bit of money for Genduzi when he left, but I don't know who on earth is going to want to take Pepe on 120,000 odd quid a week. You know, I know he took a pay cut to go to Nice. I think he took a 25% pay cut. Mm. We still pay 25% and then the other 50% is made up by Nice. So, um, Whatever happens next season, he's not going to be an Arsenal player. Arteta just has not fancied what he's brought, and I don't blame Arteta for that. You know, yes, he's got goals in him. Yes, he can like he can contribute, has contributed, but he's just he's just never been good enough. He's never been suited to the style that we want to play, and he was in a Lille team that were perfectly, you know, playing a system that suited him and gave him exactly what he needed, and he was the star of that. Which is, in a way, one of the reasons why. I've always been pretty reluctant on Wilfred Zaha because, or Ivan Tony because they're the players that just star for their teams because they're perfectly suited to what those teams do for those two players, the same way that Lille were perfectly suited for what uh, Pepe needed. And if you come to a different side and it doesn't work out, all of a sudden you've invested a lot of money and it falls apart pretty quickly. So I really I hope we get something for Pepe in the summer, but yeah, I think he, along with Cedric, will be two of the last players we pay off of um, to, to leave the club, to be honest, is my prediction. It's a little bit of a weird one. How how much do you weep that if we'd have only waited a season? Because the player they brought in to replace Pepe uh, at Lille was um, Osman, wasn't it? Mm. And then if we'd have waited a season, now look what Osman's gone and done. He's taken uh, Serie A by force. He's helped Napoli win their first title since Maradona. Top goals. He's got 23 goals this season, something like that. An mm-hmm. absolute yeah. legend of a player. And uh, it's, I mean, there's even talk of us getting him. Do you think someone like him would work for us? I personally don't. Well, yeah, if you can get Osman, go get Osman. But I think he's going to cost you 100 million. That's yeah, the thing. Is it's not about replacing. It's about you know reinforcing Jesus. Yeah, you know you need two strikers, um, and that's what I'd sell. You know if Balogun's going, I'd sell him, and I'd sell Inketia as well. I'd get rid of both and say bring in you know another top forward because Inketia, for all of his positives, he's not good enough with respect to be a title challenging side's number nine, and yeah. Balogun wants to go. So it's it's difficult to. I know it's a shame. I think that I was. I, if you were offering me now, who would I keep? Who would I let go of? I know that all of our US friends are buzzing about I that. Bet they I are. To be. Yeah, it's amazing. He's, he's going to be magnificent for them. He's, Balogun would be mad if he wouldn't have made the decision he did with, with uh, the USA show in the next World Cup with Canada and Mexico. They don't really have a, a recognized, decent top quality striker uh, the last one they had was Freddie Adu and uh, Josie Altador and yeah so him going there he is going to be a legend of American football within a couple of years of there and they should be so excited for him and uh, plus he's going to break records because they play about 30 uh, friendlies a season or games a season as uh, American internationals um, some of the other players that I want to have a, a look at was uh, what's going to happen with the likes of Tavares and, and uh, the one on loan at Palace. Uh, his name, I've 
Um, Laconga. What's going to happen with those sell. two? Sell uh, and sell. Uh, Tavares will be lucky to get 15 million, maybe, if we're lucky. Um, we only paid 8 million. So anything's a profit, I think, on what we're selling. But 10 to 15 million, I think you'll get for Tavares. Laconga, pretty similar. Uh, Burnley are apparently interested because Vincent Company, of course, you know, link, he managed him at Andalek. So if you can get mm. 10 to 15 million for the pair, you know, if you told me we're going to get 25 million for Laconga and Tavares, I'm buzzing with that. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll take that it. now. Yeah, that's uh, an easy one. Yeah, so there's going to be some work needs to be doing in the summer from Edu and Vinay and Richard Garlic and and uh, and and Baby Josh Gronke. There's work mm. to do. There's players to get rid of. But we have seen in previous seasons they will get the job done. Like you mentioned, they might have to cancel a few contracts, move a few players on, send them out on loan um, with an option to buy, like we've done with Pablo Mari, and we did it a couple of years ago with another player, Mavropanos. If the team stays up, they buy him, and Mavropanos has now been linked to. Um, a couple of uh, a couple uh, of times AC Milan. Oh, and it was some decent team. In Minja, yes, the, yeah, the decent player. He's doing well. I'm, I'm happy for him. Right, we've mm. got Thomas got to go in four minutes. Otherwise, dinner's going to be in the bin. Uh, we have a question from Sire. Never sure whether he means this or not. Do we think that City is going to get charged, though? They didn't do anything that's going to hurt League's income, so nothing will be done. In fact, League will be tarnished if they are charged. You can just say, shut up, Sire, if you want. <laughs> well, shut up, Sai. But other than other than that, um, I'd be surprised if they were charged. They've already got away with it, you know, once. <laughs> so why, why wouldn't they yeah. get away with it again? So uh, I'd be surprised. I think it's going to take a long time. Um, the who is it? Was it the Times did a report today saying that it could take as much as four years to get yeah. resolved? So you know, yeah. They started to mention it on the the Totally Football Show. I keep mentioning that because that's the last podcast I listened to part way <laughs> through it. Podcast. Uh, is, is one of the best. Woof. Uh, Matt D'Souza asks, what do we think Arteta's thoughts are on Fabio Vieira? Is is he underwhelmed but still optimistic or seriously concerned? Chicken legs, tea bag, whatever you want to call him. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's 35 million euros, but he was magnificent yeah, in um, Liga Nos last season, wasn't he? So mm. you can see there's something there. But yeah, oh, there's a player that some of the passes that he's played for Arsenal where he finds space and the vision, you know, the strike yeah. against Brentford, he scored that goal. Was it against Leon in uh, the mid-season break in the friendly that from outside the box as well? You know, oh, there's clearly a player there that really suited the Portuguese league, you know, and the physicality that it lacks compared to the Premier League. But I still think that the talent should override that. I think we've had players like Santi Gazzola, you know, that, that aren't necessarily the most physical, but can use their low center of gravity, their technical ability to to thrive. You look at Bernardo Silva, for instance, at, at City. You know, there is all the reason for Fabio Vieira to be still a success. Now, I, I'm, I have this two-season rule now. If you're signed, you have two seasons when Arsenal are trying to win, you know, compete for titles. You get two seasons, one to adjust mm-hmm. and adapt. And then the second one is make or break, you know. So next season is make or break for, for T-Bag. <laughs> Carl says, "Does Tom still agree that League One is a still a feeder league?" Oh, it's a feed. It's always been a feeder league. Always will be a feeder league. <laughs> oh, you know, you know who you've angered. Top right hand corner, there he is. That's what I'm saying it. That's what I'm saying it. <laughs> Chris loves it when I call it. A I remember. 
remember that when we fell out years ago it was because i wrote that article it was just like <laughs> Liga will always be a feed league <laughs> and it still is a terrible terrible league um oh. right where can uh, i'm gonna put cole's pitch up there because i don't like having a look at him there we go put cole's pitch up there because he's the only one from abw he actually turns up for shows um <laughs> Right, so uh, where can people find you? Not that they don't know, but where can they find you? If, they, if they've never heard of you, and they went, oh, this cheeky chappy, he knows what he's talking about. Where will they find you? Uh, you can find me every morning at 8 a.m. Uh, on Laguna Talk uh, doing uh, daily shows. Uh, you can find me in the Emirates press box now, covering Arsenal at football.london. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's where you'll find me. Hopefully, you might even see me on the Emirates pitch in a couple of weeks time which i'm excited striker. about now i've been signed mate i'm the new striker because <laughs> uh, tom is actually six foot six look at him you wouldn't think so he is a giant of a human being. Uh, there are taller people than me <laughs> so what are you going to be on the pitch for what have you done uh hopefully a bit of a media day um so i'm looking forward to that that should be fun um sean always asks how's tom getting on and every week every couple of weeks i go He's doing this. He's, he's now a proper journalist. He's now mixing with the hoi polloi, uh, and he's doing really well. And it is uh, makes me it makes me have a little tickle in my stomach to think that uh, that Tom is doing so well and at the top of your game and one of the best Arsenal platforms out there. By a country mile, you what you and Harry and Sophie are doing is uh, it's an absolute joy to say that I, I know I've known these people for years and they are doing really well and it's lovely. Um, uh, Penny Wine wants to know what time does the eight a.m. show start. <laughs> <laughs> 8 a.m mate 8 a.m or sometimes 801 if i'm a little bit late <laughs> before we go have you people do me a favor go to the hybrid squad go and look at the the, the show that kev and sophie did with aaron ramsdale's dad that mm. like the jack wheelshoe interview is criminally underwatched it's a really interesting pod go and have a look at it do yourself a favor because sophie's worked really hard to go and get these guests and this should be a 10 or twenty thousand at least viewing show pull your fingers out and go and watch it Tom, you have been magnificent. Thank you very much for your time. Thank um, you for having me and for yeah, giving me the opportunity. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. So, yeah, I appreciate it. That's very kind of you. <laughs> right. Um, here comes I'll never, the outro. I'll never, ever not say it. It's, it's <laughs> true. It's so true. <laughs> and uh, we, and uh, we, we do miss you. But you were, you were much like Arsenal with Alexis Sanchez. You were always too good to keep here. You'd, uh, you needed to go out, go somewhere, and get your piano out or, or something. Basically called DGT Man United is what you did there. <laughs> oh, that's who he signed for, the Man United thing, yeah. wasn't it? No, no. Yeah. No, better than that. Right, here, is the, here is the outro of, uh, of Steve and Dave, who we miss. And uh, we will be back tomorrow with a preview show. And on Saturday, me and Deke will be talking nonsense about a meaningless game. Thank you very much, everybody. Goodbye. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Get down, dog. Splendid business. You nearly caught the bloody thing. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I was just eating a full quiche. Well, you don't often see them at him, so when you see them in the supermarket, they need to be swagged, microwaved immediately, and get the brown sauce on them and bosh, Bob's your uncle. Never in doubt. <laughs>